Thank you for that warm welcome. It was good. It's good to be with you tonight. So, um, I'm going to do a lot of Bible reading tonight. Is that okay? Cool. I love the Bible. Right. So, I'm going to start by reading a passage from 1 Kings 17. So, um, it's based, um, the background of the story is that um, the nation was into idolatry, and so Elijah decided to prophesy over the nation, saying there will be no more rain or dew until his word, because his heart was, he wanted the people to come back and worship the one true God. So I'm going to take it up just from after he prophesied that to, um, to um, the nation. Um, God told him to go somewhere, and I'm going to pick it up, the story, from, it's 1 Kings 17, and I'm going to pick it up from verse 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan, and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me a piece of bread, please. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son, that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have, what you have and bring it to me, and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and a jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. And she went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her, from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? 
Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. So here's the story of Elijah um, being obedient to God, going off to the Kareth Ravine, which sounds like it must have been very idealistic, I think, east of the Jordan, where he found shelter. Bread and meat was brought to him miraculously by ravens morning and night. They came... This bread and meat came direct from heaven, direct from the Father to him. And he stayed there until the brook ran dry. I like how, the, um, how Elijah was fed meat and bread. And I'm going to talk a little bit about the significance of the bread and the meat. And then go on to talk a little bit, a bit more about the, the rest of the story. But... Um, what I love about what the Bible says about bread is that Jesus is the bread from heaven who gives life to all the world. You know, and I love this image of, Je- of the Father, Heavenly Father, bringing Jesus, bringing Jesus to us so that we can feast on him. You know, in the message, it talks about loads about Jesus being the bread of life. So I've got some more to read to you. Um, This is from John 6, and I'm going to read it from the message version. Um, So the crowd was saying to Jesus, we want to know, we want to have proof of who you are. Send us a sign of who you are. I know like how how God sent manna and quail and, you know, to the Israelites. We want a sign like that. And so Jesus responded to them and said, um, this is in John 6, verse 32. The real significance of that scripture is not that Moses gave you bread from heaven, but that my father is right now offering you bread from heaven. The real bread, the bread of God, came down out of heaven and is given life to the world. They jumped on that. Master, give us this bread now and forever. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The person who lines with me hungers no more and thirsts no more. Ever since I have told, sorry, um, hungers no more and thirst no more ever. I have told you this explicitly because even though you have seen me in action, you don't really believe me. Every person the Father gives me eventually comes running to me. And once that person is with me, I hold on and don't let go. Isn't that beautiful? I hold on and don't let go. I came down from heaven, not to follow my own whim, but to accomplish the will of the one who sent me. Then from verse 50. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. So the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. You know, um, this is available to each and every one of us. Jesus is available to each and every one of us. You know, and as we feast on him and as we look to him, he becomes our daily bread. Spending time with Jesus is probably one of the most important things that we can ever do with our time. This is our daily bread. Our intimacy with Jesus is our daily bread. You know, the more we spend time with him, the more we we love him, the more we trust him, the more he becomes more meaningful to us than anything else. You know, when we accept Jesus, we are accepting bread from heaven that gives us life, that gives us life abundantly. And when I think about the meat that came from heaven. It reminded me of a verse in 1 Corinthians when Paul talks to his leaders saying that they're too worldly to, um, and not ready to be addressed as those who live by the Spirit. So I'm going to read you a couple of sections from the Bible. So I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians 3, 1 to 3. So 1 Corinthians 3. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. When we are worldly, we're not ready because being worldly means that we have unrighteousness in our life. God has got so much he wants to give us and he makes us righteous so that we can receive it. But sometimes if we don't accept that righteousness and live in that righteousness, we can actually miss out on all the things that God has got for us. Hebrews 5 verse 11 to 13 says, We have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. In fact, Though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. And anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. You know, as we feed on Jesus and we become more like him, we become ready to be those that are fed grown-up food, adult food. Adult food in terms of our spirituality, mature in our spirituality. We are ready to receive more things of the Spirit. 
Um, you know, and I was thinking about the meat and the significance of that, and, and I was thinking, you know, if, if the bread is Jesus, then surely the meat is the Holy Spirit. And so I was thinking about how, you know, as we feed on the Holy Spirit, what that means to us, and I believe that, you know, as we eat and feast on the meat that God gives us, you know, we start getting insight, revelation, wisdom, words of knowledge, that God has got so much for us as we come to him and as we take what he's got on offer and as we grow in him, as we eagerly desire the spiritual things, we start to mature in God. You know, we should never despise um, revelation or the prophetic. When someone brings something that's prophetic, you know, it should make us stand up and listen. What is God saying? And we should stand up and listen and say, is God saying something to me here? The prophetic is really, really important. You know, we can read about the Israelites, and I mentioned it just a moment ago, about the Israelites, how they were fed meat from heaven when they were in the wilderness. But they never matured in their understanding of who God is because they never actually appreciated what it was that God was doing for them. They grumbled about it all the time. They came to despise what it was that God was giving to them. And then a whole generation never stepped into the promised land. You know, when we listen to the prophetic and we take it and we eat it and we say, God, I want to hold on to this, you know, something happens and we become advanced in whatever it is that God has got for us. You know, spiritual maturity will mean that we are less influenced by the world and more influenced by Jesus. We will have promptings of the Holy Spirit as we go about our daily lives and we become more of more aware of the prophetic. You know, the ravine, um, um, when Elijah was at the ravine and he was fed by God, bread and meat, I believe God's desire for each one of us here is to find our own Kerif ravine, to find that place where we can come, where he comes and he meets with us, you know, and, and feeds us. You know, and I believe that it's in that place that we will have revelation, that we will have wisdom come to us, we will have insight and the prophetic that comes to us. Our Heavenly Father wants to feed us Jesus and the Holy Spirit revelation, bread and meat. You know, we need to be constantly um, looking for ways where we can mature. We have to do everything we can by opening ourselves up to, to the Holy Spirit when we read the Bible, when we study his word. You know, maybe things like going to our connect groups could be our Kareth Ravine. Maybe going to a Bible study, the weekend school of theology, USMM, Ignite that we just heard before. On oh, it was USMM, wasn't it, the video? Um, maybe that is our Kerith Ravine. Maybe God is saying to go to Big Church Weekend because he's got something. He's got meat, bread and meat for you there, and it's going to change your life. You know, I hear God in so many different ways, but it's through reading the Bible that I see him and I hear him the most. 
reading your Bible regularly again and again and again, all the way through, not just your favorite bits, all the way through, you know, will have a significant impact on your life. You know, it's like eating bread and meat when we study the Bible, when we read the Bible, even the bits that we don't understand. You know, um, it, you know, it's good to think about sometimes, what is my relationship like with God the Father? What would you say your relationship is like with God the Father? Is it an intimate one? Um, is there something in your life stopping you from it being intimate? You know, we read earlier before about how Paul was talking to the leaders about how he couldn't give them solid food because of things that were going on in their lives. You know, sometimes these are things that can hinder us from having amazing revelation, having prophetic words come. You know, holiness and righteousness is important. You know, no matter what the world says, we need to know that what we're doing is because we're responding to what God is saying to us. Now, are you more concerned about the things going on in the world? Are you more concerned about that than God's plans and purposes for the world? You know, we have to constantly guard our hearts and our minds because this is where the enemy, enemy will attack us. Do you know the devil doesn't want you to know the plans and purposes that he has for you? And as you feed on the bread of, of life and you become more aware of who you are, and as you feed on the meat, you begin, begin to understand the authority that God has given you as a child of God. We discover the truth as we read our Bibles with our hearts full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works in us as we read it. I don't know if you've found that, if you've not discovered that yet, you've got so much more to discover. But I believe, as many of us here, that as we read the Bible, things have just jumped out at us. You know, and that is the Holy Spirit working in our hearts and speaking to us. The Bible is our bread and meat, and we get the whole picture from our Bibles. We understand God's heart by reading the Bible. We find truth in the Bible, and it is this truth that gives us the power and authority to come against the schemes of the evil one. The enemy will attack your heart and your mind. He wants to attack what you actually believe, how you feel. He wants to attack all of that. Proverbs 4, verse 23 says, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flows the spring of life. So if the enemy can attack your heart, he attacks the spring of life that comes. Romans 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. The closer we are to our Father, our hearts and our minds are being transformed. So we come to him, he renews us, he refreshes us, he helps us, he strengthens us. It affects the way we act, the way we behave, the way we believe, the things that we say. And instead of conforming to the patterns of this world, we find ourselves being those that love amongst those who hate. We are full of joy. 
even though we are going through struggles and we need to be strengthened by it. We have peace in our hearts in the midst of chaos and trials and difficulties. We respond with patience, even though that same bad thing has happened to us time and time again. We are kind, even when those around us are mean and self-centered. We are good because the Holy Spirit is transforming us to be like him. We are gentle when we are mistreated or misunderstood. We are faithful even though it is really hard to, to keep on doing the thing that you promise that you do even though your circumstances have changed. We are self-controlled even though we are free to live how we please. This is fruitful living which comes from a diet of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. You know, I thought it was really interesting that the brook dried out. You know, God had been supplying Elijah with bread and meat from ravens from heaven. Wow. You know, God could have made water pour out from the rock. You know, we read about it. Um, you may have read about it, in, you know, earlier in the Bible where, you know, the Israelites are in the wilderness and they're moaning because they've got nothing to drink and Moses hits this rock and all this water comes out. So God could have easily have done that for Elijah. Later on in the story, um, we read about how the flour did not run out, the oil did not run dry. So why did the water from the brook run dry? God had wanted Elijah to go somewhere different. He could have stayed there and kept being fed by God and drinking from the brook, but God wanted Elijah to move from that place. God had a plan for Elijah that he should go and do God's will in a starving and broken world. The brook drying up was a sign of, of actually the land was in desperate need. You know, the, the brook drying up was because there'd been a drought. It, you know, it kept on flowing up until then, but so the drought must have you know, affected the brook and it stopped running, which would have meant it would have affected the rest of the nation. And so it was time for Elijah to move on out there into the world, into a starving world. We are not meant to stay at Kareth Ravine forever, especially when there is hopelessness around us. God never intended us to be isolated from the rest of the world. We know we live in the world even though we do not belong there. Sometimes God will use our circumstances, like the brook running dry, to jig us along a bit, to say, come on, we need you to get out there. You know, we've been given all that we need, and now it's time to move from that cave and out into the world. God's plan and purpose for us is to live in a world, partnering with him, rescuing and bringing truth and light to the people that he loved so much that he died for them. God is showing you a world around you and wants you to be involved in people's lives. God does not want us to live in an isolation, enjoying the bread and meat, just sitting in our rooms, reading our Bible, listening to the Holy Spirit. He actually wants us to get involved in people's lives. 
Um, you know, Elijah um, obeyed God and left that place of isolation. It must have been amazing with the Father to go out into a broken world. But God still provided for him. He still met his need. You know, sometimes we can get all comfortable and we think, yes, I've made it. I can put my feet up. I can relax. It's all so nice. And, you know, and we sometimes we strive, don't we, to be comfortable. But you know what? I don't believe it's God's intention for any one of us to strive to be comfortable. I really don't believe that. I do believe that God will provide all of our needs, that God will be there for us. He will give us what we need to eat. He'll give us what we need to drink. He'll give us the clothes to wear. He he doesn't want us to worry about such things. But I don't believe God wants us to strive to be comfortable. God's plan for us is to make a difference in this life. There are so many broken and hurting people out there. I know there's so many things that have been going on this week and things with France and even all over the world, things that we don't even hear about. There's things going on in all the world that are just crazy, just evil and just really, really bad. You know, God may um, speak to us about those situations. He may want us to speak into those situations. And when we come to God and we can say to God, God, what, you know, what can I do about this? Sometimes he could give us the prophetic words to pray into those situations, to break bonds, to break chains. It could be that God might give you even something to do. He might even say, do you know what? I have got something for you to do. God wants to speak to each and every one of us, but we just need to make that time and say, God, what are you saying in this situation? When a circumstance or something really bad happens in this world, this is an opportunity for God to show his awesome love and grace and power and forgiveness and healing. And we're the ones to go out and do that. Now, if you are dissatisfied with your life, then find out what God is doing. You will never be more satisfied than doing the will of God. You will never be more satisfied than hearing what God is saying, the prophetic word that comes, and just doing and responding to what he is saying. If you are dissatisfied with your life, spend time praying. Ask God, God, what are you doing in my workplace? Where can I get involved? What are you doing in my friend's life? Who do you want me to pray for? Who do you want me to reach out to? You know, God, what are you doing in uh, my city? And you know, Maybe you need to pray more into your city. And God is showing you things and revealing things to you. Your heavenly Father has things to say to you, every single one of us in this room, without exception. Do you know in the Bible it says in Joel and in Acts that he will pour out his spirit on all people so that they may prophesy. All people may prophesy. What is God saying to you? Um, I want to turn to a story um, in John 4. It's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. This is another long extract, so I hope you don't mind my reading voice. So I tried to put my best one on for you. <laughs> 
Now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So it's from verse 4, John 4, verse 4. Now he, now Jesus had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his sons, Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tri- Jesus tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, who is, who is it that asks you for a drink, you would, ha- you, have asked, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with from, to draw, the, um, draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water that I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water that I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husbands and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Verse 28. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him some food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. This story is so similar to the one of Elijah, where he goes to a woman at a well. You know, Elijah rescued the woman and the son and gave them enough food to eat to keep them alive. And Jesus came to this woman and offered her food that would give her eternal life. Both had insight into what God was doing in their lives, and so they were able to speak God's words of prophecy into their situation, and what they heard made them believe that they were sent from God. They became believers. God wants to use you in situations like this. He wants you to go into places where people are dying, and people are dying because if they've not got Jesus in their life, if they've never accepted Jesus in their life, they are dying. And we have, we can offer them the bread that Jesus has given to us. We can offer them and show them that they too can have eternal life. 
You know, we can hear God as well, and we can ask God to speak to us and say to us, you know, what is it that will unlock this person's heart? What is it, God, that I can do for this person that will help them to see you, Jesus, that will help them to believe? You know, um, in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. We need to want to prophesy. We can all prophesy, but we need to be getting ourselves in that place where we say to God, God, what are you saying? What do you want me to say? What do you want me to take? You know, Jesus knew what was happening in Samaritan's woman because he saw something that he couldn't possibly know. She believed and turned to God. Prophecy is a key to our revealing Jesus to people. Part of God's plan for you is to be a miracle into the lives of the people that you meet. He wants you to be fed. He wants you to eat as much of the bread, of meat. He wants you to take of Jesus, that intimate relationship with him, to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, to to long for more of the Holy Spirit. He wants that for you so that you can go out there in the world and make a miraculous, powerful, significant difference in the lives of people. You know, we too, like Elijah, we too can um, know what it is to, to, to feel like we are being fed as we do the will of God. I love that, what Jesus said. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. That is how we will be satisfied in our lives and we will know that infilling as we do his will. So ask God, ask God, where is your Kerif ravine? Where is it that he wants to feed you? Where is it that he wants to give you all that, he, that you need? You know, ask your heavenly father for bread and meat from heaven that you can get going in power and on authority, demonstrating the kingdom of God, making Jesus known. Um, I'd just like to spend one or two minutes right now, just um, if we've got somebody who can just give me a bit of music, tunes. Um, Every single one of us here can hear God. When we're, especially if we're full of the Holy Spirit. I love what Rebecca said. I love that testimony that Rebecca brought, that she was like confused. Is it God? Is it her own voice? But, you know, sometimes it's a bit like that at first. You know, but the more we listen and the more we get used to it, the more we actually can hear that this is God speaking to us. And I'd just like us to take a few minutes just for us to, just to, in our hearts, just to say to God, God, what is it that you want to say to me? Is there a circumstance? Is there a friend? Is there a relationship? Is there something in your life that actually you want a word of God for, for that situation? Ask God in this moment for a word, of, a word from him. 
You know, if it's something for your own life, you can ask God. Ask God, God, what do you want to say to me right now? And maybe God might put something on your heart for somebody else in this room. You know, just ask God in this moment.